KMTT, Kimitsiyom Tetzay Torah. This is KMTT, the Torah podcast. Today is Wednesday, and we're beginning a new series today, which I, as a bit, this is as a bit, will be giving on the philosophical implications and ramifications of the Akeda, the story of the binding of Isaac. It will have ten sessions in which we'll discuss various, not necessarily connected, in fact sometimes contradictory ideas which have been developed or which arise in the course of the commentaries to the story of the Akedah. The Akedah, Akedat Yitzchak, is clearly a central story in the understanding of Chazal of Jewish history. Undoubtedly this is engendered from the fact that the end of the Akedah the angel says to Avraham Avinu, because of the Akedah, the angel says to him, because of the Akedah, I will continue Jewish history. I will bless your children and, and, and multiply them. And, and Chazal used the Akedah as uh, Medrashim, the end of Medrashim, at the end of the story of the Akedah, connect all of Jewish history to the Akedah. Both in terms of what Rabbi Avinu sees at the time, he's shown Jewish history, and the idea of schut, because of the Akedah, therefore, God is with the Jewish people. And we have a very classic expression of this in the Tefillah of Rosh Hashanah. Uh, the Tefillah of Rosh Hashanah, where in the Bracha of Zichronot, God remembering, He remembers everything. That's the whole point of the Bracha. But we specifically say Remember, appear before you the Akeda. And then the end of the Bracha, the last line of the Bracha is Remember the Akeda. You who remember everything. The Akeda is both a crucial prototype the Jewish history as well as uh, an example of what it means to be a Jew Avraham Avinu is exemplified by the Akedah Avraham Avinu is Avraham Avinu we ourselves pattern our lives after that of Avraham Avinu hence the understanding of the Akedah its implications understanding the the uh, role the psychology the conflict of Avraham Avinu in approaching the Akedah is essential for our own understanding of Avodat Hashem I'm going to pick a number of different topics uh, as I said some of them might even be contradictory to discuss in no particular order uh, the order that uh, it's personal the order that strikes me uh, and it might have different levels of importance for, for you. The first topic I'd like to discuss uh, is one which has received a great deal of attention in modern times. Interestingly enough, it, I don't think it's a major theme in, in older times. It's not absent, but it wasn't the most prominent feature which concerned, for instance, the Rishon and the Medieval Commentators. Uh, and in fact it's difficult to find direct direct discussion of it in Chazal as well although as we shall see I think Chazal were concerned about it and that's the topic of the ethical 
implications of Avraham Avinu's choice. This topic has been most thoroughly explored, analyzed by Kierkegaard in his book Fear and Trembling. The question simply put is, how could Avraham Avinu carry out, attempt to carry out, the command of God to sacrifice his son when that action is unethical? It's evil. To take your child, to take any child, and to kill him is ethically forbidden. Although it appears to be religiously mandated. In general terms, the question is what does one do? And how should one act if religious dictates require one to violate ethical prohibitions? I think the question can even be, can even be strengthened. It, perhaps, I'm not 100% sure, perhaps it is even more wrong. The, the, ethical, the ethical implications are more severe because it's religiously mandated. I, I can see someone arguing that it's, it's more debased to kill to murder for religious reasons than even for other reasons. And so it's not merely that there's a conflict, an accidental conflict between two, two requirements. But here the contradiction is inherent. How can we face a situation where our relationship with God requires us to be unethical? In philosophic terms, this question uh, relates to an ancient one raised by, raised by Plato about the relationship between God and the good. Plato's question, which he phrased in, in, in plural terms, in terms of the gods, but the question is even more severe and more critical when done in the singularity of monotheism. Plato's question was, does God command that which He commands because it is good, or is it good because He commands it? For monotheists, the question presents a dilemma. If one says that the gods love, or the gods command that which they command because it is good, then you risk the danger of at least dualism. There are the gods, and there is something else, which in fact appears to be superior to God, and that is the good. God is subject to the good. God does what He does. God loves what He loves. God commands what He commands because of an independent value, transcendent value, absolute value, which we call the good. So then, in effect, you have two gods. And the God of whom we speak, the God to whom we are subject, the God who speaks to us in the Torah, is in fact, first has a partner, and, and in fact appears to be inferior, subject to the good. The alternative, to say it is good because God has commanded it, 
leads to the basing of the very notion of the good. It means if God would have commanded to kill, then killing would be ethical. If he commands not to kill, then not to kill is ethical. That means there's no actual meaning to the word good. Good is the will of God. The will of God has no independent, absolute basis. It's whatever he happens to will. And therefore, there in fact is no ethical value to the ethical. The only value is that you obey, is that you're obeying God. In the course of, of the history of religion, so there's been a tendency, sometimes among monotheistic religions, to choose a second one. Obviously the first one is out. You can't have two. You can't have two values, two allegiances. I'm loyal to God, I'm loyal to the dictates of my conscience, which we call the good. And therefore, in order to solve this problem, there have been at times attempts to say, well, yes, in fact, there is no such thing as the good. The good is merely the will of God. This has a number of consequences. One is that we can't know the good except through the revealed will of God. If the good is only the will of God, then the only way you can know what it is is if God discloses His will to you, presumably in prophecy, let's say by reading the Torah, or through some other method which is equivalent to prophecy. But you couldn't rely on your conscience, which we tend to think is an independent means, a rational means that a person has of knowing what is right and what is wrong. The Rambam in Mon Vuchim, third part, chapter 17, ascribes this view to the Orthodox Islam, what's called the Asharia. It's the third of the five uh, doctrines of providence, and one of Alam obviously thinks is wrong. In fact, he, he, he relates to it almost with, almost with division. He points out, quite correctly, that according to this opinion, that everything depends on the will of God, including that which is right and that which is wrong, there is no such thing as the problem of evil. The problem of evil is the problem that says, why, if God is good, and God controls the world, and God knows everything, and God can do everything He wants, why is there evil in the world? But according to the doctrine of the Asharia, there is no such problem, because... Whatever exists is good. If God wants it, then it's good. So if there's evil, we call evil in the world, there's sickness, there's disease, there's suffering, but it's obviously the will of God. Everything is the will of God, so then it's good. And the man says, obviously the problem of evil is a problem. Obviously we have to try to answer it, but it obviously is a problem. The answer is not to shrug it off and say, there is no such problem because all things that exist, all things that exist in the will of God, are equal, meaning equally, equally good. A moral result of this attitude towards the problem of evil is passivity. We don't disagree with the will of God because it's good, by definition. So if there's evil in the world, evil in quotation marks, then we accept it. The famous fatality, which is ascribed sometimes to Eastern philosophers. Everything is the same, everything is equal. 
kullam min Allah in the Arabic expression everything is from God what we call siduk adin but it's not siduk adin it's not acceptance of God's decrees but, but in embracing whatever exists you, don't, you wouldn't try to fix anything there are extreme examples of this in, in, in various uh, uh, religions or sects uh, for instance in Protestantism there's also certain sects which say whatever it is, is you don't go to doctors you don't try to change God's will you simply accept it because if God does it it, it, it is good this follows from the idea if we say that the definition of good is whatever God wants Were this true, then Abraham has no problem. If God says to kill his son, then killing his son is the best thing in the world. It's good. He should embrace it with a smile and be happy that he has another chance to be ethical. Tomorrow God will say to him, don't kill your son. That'll also be good. The good will have changed because God's will will have changed. Now, of course, not entering, discussing the question, the theological question, not the ethical question, whether God's will can change. That's a side problem for us. The Bible, as I pointed out, rejects this opinion out of hand. And although the opinion has occasionally been expressed within Jewish sources, it is, I think, untenable in Judaism. Firstly, the moral implication that I mentioned, the acceptance of evil, is totally foreign to, to Judaism. It's foreign to halacha. We're commanded to fix the world. If someone is sick, you take him to the doctor. If someone is suffering, if someone is naked, you clothe him. If he's hungry, you feed him. You don't say, Kulam in Allah. Everything is as it should be. Everything is for the best and the best of all possible worlds. There might be a theological question that's involved in The question of evil is a real question, but it's a question one has to grapple with. can't be wiped away merely by redefining the good to be whatever God has ordained. But in fact, somewhat more extremely, it's not merely that one fixes the world, but in fact, one fixes the world by directly addressing God's responsibility for it. And the most prominent example is Avraham Avinu himself. Not too long before the Akedah, in, in terms of the stories, in terms of the Pesukim and the Torah, according to Chazal 38 years before the story of the Akedah but nonetheless not too many years before the Akedah Avraham Avinu faces God over the destruction of stone God is going to destroy Sodom he's expressed his will that stone be destroyed and Avraham Avinu doesn't merely attempt to persuade him not to do it doesn't merely try to change God's will but he attacks God on the basis of the ethical has shofet kol ha'aretz lo ye'asem mishpat chalila can the judge of all the world not do justice? chalila chas v'shalom impossible Avraham Avinu accuses God of being unethical and says you can't be unethical you must follow the dictates of justice on the face of it, Avraham Avinu is adopting the first opinion. You, God, must follow. You are subject. 
to the ethical mandate. And if it is wrong to kill Tzadik im Rasha, then you can't do it. The Medrash describes Avraham Avinu as holding on to God's, the, 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 the tails of God's clothing and saying, I won't let you do it. I hold you back. If we talk about challenging the world and not accepting it, there can't be any more dramatic expression of it than Avraham Avinu not really challenges the world, but challenges the judge of all the world. Hashafet Kala Aretz. Obviously, this raises the question, why was Avraham Avinu so active in the story of Stone and so passive in the story of the Akedah? But still, I'm pointing out that as part of the stories of Avraham, which for us are beacons of light and of conduct, we have a previous story that says everything must be subject to the standards, the gold standard of conduct, which is Mishpat. And how does Avaminu know that it is wrong to kill Tzadikim Masha? The answer is, he knows. He relies on what we call his conscience. He relies on his moral intelligence. And he holds God up to that standard. We have in the Torah a mitzvah of V'asita HaTova HaYashar. In Sefer Dvarim, there's a mitzvah, do that which is good and right and, and, and righteous the Ramban points out famous Ramban that this comes to teach us to do those things which are not taught in more explicit psukim if the only way to know what is good is to know God's will because the good is equal to God's will is definitional equal to God's will then this pasuk makes no sense God is telling us you should do that which I want you to do but I'm not telling you what it is. How do we know what's tov what's good and righteous? The man says the Torah can't tell you everything. There are too many details. So the Torah tells us a lot of things but in the end the Torah tells us if I haven't explicitly forbidden or mandated or described ethical conduct but you know what it is and make sure that aside from the explicit mitzvot that you also do everything else which is tov biyasha an expression which Laban uses is not in this passage but in in, 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 in Parshat Kedoshim Kedoshim to you be holy Laban says the same thing in the area not of the ethical but of the religious Laban says it's possible to be a naval birshuta Torah one can be a, a, a bum I'm just saying naval in English one can be debased within the permissible bounds of the Torah but it's also to do such a thing and that's why there are these two extra psukim Kedoshim to you in the area of Ben Adam Lamakom and Vasita Tova Yashar in the area of Ben Adam Lachavero that come to tell us aside from the 613 mitzvot and all the details implicit within them there was a general commandment to do that which is truly wrong uh, truly right and, and, and uh, avoid that which is truly wrong the same thing takes place in the story of Cain Behevel God says to Cain why did you kill your brother Cain doesn't answer no one told me it was wrong God expects Cain to know that it is wrong although there has been no uh, explicit disclosure 
before that pasuk of mitzvot. But the wrong is wrong, and the good is the good, irrespective of the disclosure of God's will. And therefore, man can be held up to it because he should know. He knows. Having intelligence, just as he has practical intelligence, theoretical intelligence, he also has moral intelligence. And if he knows what is wrong and what is right. So we return to the paradox of Plato. If God's will doesn't define the good, but being monotheists, we cannot say that God is subject to an independent value called the good, then what do we say? And Avraham Avinu, who is told by God at night to sacrifice his son, and he knows that it is not good, that it is evil to do so, if he has two masters, how does he solve the problem? If he has only one master, how does he understand the internal contradiction? Kierkegaard's answer in fear and trembling is to posit what he calls the theological suspension of the ethical. Kierkegaard says that man is subject to the ethics. Ethics really exist. The good really exists. Man is subject to it. But the knight of faith, he who is a true servant of God, will, if called upon, transcend even his allegiance to the ethical to a greater allegiance to God he will suspend the ethical the ethics really exists it's not that the good is merely the will of God ethics really exists but God's will is higher it's more complicated than the one sentence I've just I've just stated and therefore my one sentence criticism of it is also a bit superficial but I think in effect what God is saying is there is in fact dualism but God isn't subject to the ethical the ethical is subject to God there is an independent ethic there is God's will however God's will is superior and I still think that God is flirting with dualism because we have a genuine allegiance to the good but I think the answer to the Torah and therefore understanding of Ramavino's uh, conflict is different the answer is found in the medieval doctrine which we tend to think of as being a metaphysical curiosity not always understanding its full implications the medieval doctrine expressed by the Ramam and others that Hashem Echad God is one not merely numerically but God is one in a sense which is called simplicity if we discern different values for instance we speak of the justice of God we speak of the mercy of God we speak of God's intelligence we speak of God's knowledge we speak of God's power who echad who echad 
In terms of the moral, I would say, Hu v'hatov echad. To us, there are two different concepts here. There's the ethical, which we are familiar with, which we know through our intelligence, what we call today the conscience. And there is God's will, which we are aware of through prophecy, revelation, through the Torah. But metaphysically, they are one. Not accidentally one, not that God is good, but that God is the good. The good is a transcendent value and it is God. But the good also speaks on Har Sinai. And in fact, the good also brings the rain and creates the world and shakes the earth and feeds all life. These things which to us appear to be totally different concepts are not merely joined in one we're going to stand at the same person because I can be both good and tall but in God they're not merely joined in one but they are one Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad when you say Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad twice a day part of the meaning I think is that the two things which we naturally tend to view as being transcendental and absolute the ethical and the power God's actions, His will, what He does, and the dictates of the ethical are echad, they're the same. It is common, I think, for religious people to divide into one of two groups. There are those who worship power, whom God is He who does everything, who made the world and all that's within it, Jews who took us out of Egypt who will if we placate him or speak to him or if we find favor in his eyes will bring the rain tomorrow and grant prosperity that's their God and there are others for whom the God is the dictates of ethics I have allegiance I am I am committed to the transcendental, absolute dictates of true reason to be good, to abhor evil, to abstain from evil, and to pursue good. So may Rab Asaytov But part of the teachings of the unity of God in Judaism is Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Those two things are the same if you worship the power of God without having absolute allegiance to the good then your God is only half a God then you've, 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 you've dissected the notion of God if you're committed to the good to the ethical but don't see how this, the, 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 the root of the ethical is also the power of creation then you've innovated the good. You've cut the good in half. So philosophically, the question of Plato, does God love the good because it is good? Or is the good loved 
because God loves it or is the good good because God loves it the answer is both are true God commands the good because He is good it's not merely will it's not arbitrary will in the Mammam's words Ram speaks in terms of intelligence but morality is part of intelligence for the Ram God is truth God is wisdom and if of course God's will expresses wisdom in the realm of the ethical God's will expresses the good and therefore I think the problem from Ram Avinu is not should he follow the good or follow God if Avraminu understands what I've just explained then Avram Avinu knows he has to agree that if it's undoubtedly clear that God has commanded him to kill Yitzhak then it must be that killing Yitzhak is good this is not the same opinion that I mentioned in the beginning the opinion of the Asharia it's not that if God commands it that's what makes it good no no it's good because it's good but if God commands it it must logically be true that it is good now there is a problem here a severe problem for Avinu and that is that he doesn't agree his intelligence says that it's not good notice that if you were a follower of the Asharia you wouldn't have that problem your intelligence can't tell you what's good if you know that it's God's will then that's what makes it good but we do have a conception of the good and Abraham Avinu's intelligence tells him that it's wrong to kill but his ear tells him that God wants him to kill and therefore that it's right to kill so Abraham Avinu is faced with a contradiction within his own logic he has two faculties for discovering the good one is direct intelligence and one is indirect by asking God what he thinks because God, God's opinions here are authoritative not that God's will suspends the good as Kierkegaard said but God's will discloses to us what the good undoubtedly is and therefore what is Abraham Avinu being asked to sacrifice when he's told to sacrifice Yitzchak not the ethical chas Abraham Avinu's life is based on the ethical he's being asked to sacrifice his reliance on his own intelligence man after all is finite and prone to error although the good is absolute and independent and although man has a faculty of intelligence he knows that his intelligence is not infallible we rely on our intelligence but if we have a superior proof then we have to give up our reliance on our intelligence Avraham Avinu when faced with God's opinion that it is mandatory and therefore right to kill Yitzhak can either obey God and sacrifice his reliance on his own intelligence a kind of modesty intellectual modesty 
or he can be sure of himself and rebel against God. We will continue with this theme, understanding how Avam Avinu struggles with this question in next week's installment. Call to